Yeah, I was going to make you talk about the Oscar nominations at the end of the podcast or at some point. It's going to be like, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I have some opinions. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Stream Theory. My name is Jackson and on the line we have Thomas Flight of the YouTube channel Thomas Flight. Um, Hello. I am Jackson. Jackson of the youtube channel skip intro and other assorted i don't know i I do other things on the internet i guess but that's you do you do a lot of internet things as far as i know all of them relate to tv so they do they all relate to tv because if you're interested in tv jackson is the guy to be following yes i'm the only one you should follow um (laughs) nobody else knows anything about tv it's just me So, you know, I did my end of the year lists of shows and episodes and stuff, and uh, it's the authority. So don't don't read anybody else's. Just read mine. They're the definitive lists. Definitive. Yes. Um, And because I'm such a such a big TV person, we're going to start off today's show talking about the Oscars, uh, (laughs) which is, uh, you know, right up my alley. Uh, But actually, it's really up Thomas's alley because he is the movie guy. So Netflix has more Oscar nominations than any other studio. And that's the that's the headline. And uh, I'll turn it over to you, Thomas. How do you feel about the Oscar nominations in general? I know that we all hate award shows until it's time for the award shows and then we care a ton. That's right. The award shows are the things that uh, every year I promise myself I won't care about next year. And then every year when they come around, I slowly get sucked into caring and hoping that things won't be snubbed and that the things I like will win. So we'll see. We'll see what happens this year. The thing is, the Oscars give you just enough every few years that you can kind of keep your hopes up. Unless you're um, a woman. That's true. That's true. It you're gives, a female director. <laughs> like uh, we had two years ago or I forget three years ago at this point, we had Moonlight win, which felt like astounding. Uh, and that was like a really great, surprising win. Although and that so, headline like, did get buried just a little bit. Yes. Yeah. There was an event that <laughs> kind of overshadowed that, uh, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of tease us every now and then with like giving something that actually deserves a win, a win. Um, and so I can't help but get my hopes up a little bit, uh, but they will probably be dashed. Um, but yeah, like you said, the big story this year is that Netflix is leading the pack in terms of nominations over any other studio, which I think would have surprised a lot of people if you had said that that would be the case, like, you know, even five or 10 years ago. Maybe even last year, to be honest. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know what the numbers were um, last year, but with Roma, Roma had some buzz last year. And I think that was the first like real big uh, entry that they've had the Academy Awards anyway. Um So, yeah, I'll try not to bore everybody too much with other (laughs) non-streaming movie stuff. Um, You don't have any Joker hot takes? Uh, My my hot take on the Joker is that the Joker is one of the most interesting and probably the best superhero movie that I've seen in a long time and still does not deserve almost (laughs) any of its Academy Awards. So, uh, (laughs) I don't know if that tells you anything about my opinion of superhero movies overall. You are are uh, low on the, you know... Spider-Man Homecoming, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say The Dark Knight, but then I was like, that's that's way too controversial. I don't <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get into that. I am happy about, uh, just to sum up that stuff, I am happy about all the attention that The Irishman and Marriage Story are getting uh, well-deserved. 
which we um, talked about in our last podcast. Yes. Uh, and, and last time we talked about how Netflix was leading the pack in terms of Golden Globe noms. They had a ton of Golden Globe nominations and then they didn't actually end up like winning very big. Uh, so we'll we'll keep tabs on things. A lot of Oscar noms. But will they actually win anything? Who's to say? Who is to say? The, the, the old white geezers at the Academy. <laughs> That's who. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I mean, I do think that it's a big it's a big deal. You know, it's an honor just to be nominated. But uh, yes. <laughs> in all seriousness, they have like we said, they have more nominations than anything than anyone else. And even if the Irishman or Marriage Story were your favorite movies this year and they don't win, I think just to be recognized in this uh, kind of wide sweeping way is uh, is a really big deal for Netflix. And uh, I, I guess they should be happy. I don't know. They'd probably be yeah. more happy if they won. But I, I think I think they'll be very, I think they're happy either way this year. It feels like a big it feels very legitimizing, I think, of their uh, their ability to, to, you know, compete in the movie scene. So, well, and it probably uh, also means that they're they're going to have a good shot at more talent coming forward. So they had yeah. they got Martin Scorsese and Noah Baumbach in these two movies and they had Alfonso Cuaron last year. And now that it's not just, OK, this is the we're easy to work with. You're going to get your movie out to a lot of people, but also you can get the kind of industry recognition that you want. I think that those two kinds of things working together is going to be a big deal um, for trying to get uh, talent in the future. Yeah, the, the Martin Scorsese having a big film on the platform and it doing well and getting some awards recognition. It, it's like most creators are not going to walk away from Netflix now because they're not a quote unquote like legitimate place to have a movie. Um, that's not going to be a concern anymore. And they have a huge slate uh, for this year. They have a new David Fincher movie. They have a new Charlie Kaufman movie. They have a ton of talent stacked for this year. So it doesn't seem like they're going to be slowing down um, in terms of like attacking the movie uh, sector. So we'll see if their TV can live up to their what they're doing with film. Well, yeah, um, I actually think we have a couple of other things to talk about today, including HBO Max and uh, Apple TV and just Danish TV. But I think this is actually a good time to transition into talking about Netflix TV shows because we're, you know, we're kind of there already. So, yeah, uh, we're going to we'll come back to HBO Max in a second. But uh, Netflix, you, you mentioned Netflix's TV shows. And uh, one thing that I've kind of been blown away by is just the overwhelming. Is it ubiquity or ubiquitousness? I don't know. It's everywhere. Uh, the Witcher is everywhere. Um, and we're not going to talk about The Witcher today in any kind of content way. But I think that I've seen the whole thing. Uh, Thomas has seen some of it. It is fine. It's a fine show. Um, but it is really popular. And this is a roundabout way of saying that Netflix just has uh, so much institutional momentum, which is something we've talked about on the pod before. And one of the ways that they're trying to capitalize on that is by creating more auxiliary content. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at this now, this thing you sent to me, which I hadn't seen, uh, which is really cool. Do you want to describe this crazy uh, website I'm looking at? Yeah. So the, <laughs> so the website that made me start thinking about this is the the witcher is a television show uh I, I mean it's on netflix i don't know if that's television anymore but it's definitely a series of episodes of television um and it is very confusing if you're not familiar with the books and it is told like out of order but they don't say that it's being told out of order so i think there was a lot of confusion about this i remember watching it and having to bring up like a vulture article that was explaining everything and I think a lot of people are doing that because Netflix just released this big interactive map slash timeline of the 
entire Witcher series. It's at witchernetflix.com. And you can just kind of go around the map and click different stuff and click different events. And you can see where they happened, both in time and space, and kind of get a better idea of what the whole timeline of the show is. Um, and because Netflix is a, is a website, uh, it's not a network like ABC or even HBO. They have this ability, I think, to really capitalize on putting things on uh, their website that is uh, additional content that kind of keeps you engaged, um, even though their their shows are not coming out week to week, which is something we've talked about on the podcast before as well. Right. Yeah. They have a ton of freedom in terms of like how they can deploy content and the type of content that uh, they can deploy. And they seem to be experimenting more and more with doing this in interesting and unique ways. HBO has played with with something like this a little bit, mostly, I, th- I think, in the podcast space. Did they do something besides just the podcast for Watchmen? They had a uh, for Watchmen, they had a like a website. They called it PDpedia. Um, and it okay. was it was basically just like a Wikipedia journal entry kind of thing that was from the perspective of the character PD in who's a supporting character in Watchmen, who is like a history buff of the world of Watchmen. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they also they had a, a like an official podcast for Chernobyl uh, while that miniseries was was running. Um, so besides this just being like a thing that I think we'll see more and more of to sort of like engage this the discussion um and help like create that um or not besides it it is a tool for that do you think do you think that this type of thing is enough to sort of like generate discussion and keep it going even if they stay with the binge model overall i mean i think that the real strength of this would be in transitioning away from the binge model which is I know I sound like a broken record, um, right? But I think that it's good to have this kind of content that's um, easily accessible. But I think the real strength of it is, you know, in keeping people engaged. When you when you have a show that comes out every week, you can kind of treat it like like a football game. Uh, I think that when you think about how sports media covers like the playoffs or something on Monday, on Sunday they have the game. On Monday and Tuesday they kind of talk about what happened, and then the next couple of days they talk about what they think might happen on the next one. And And I think that that's really what the strength of doing it week to week would be and having this kind of content um, available and trying to like fill in this timeline as we go would be a good way of keeping people engaged in that kind of thing. But obviously, Netflix is very committed to their their binge model. So (laughs) maybe uh, I mean, this is definitely a good way of keeping it engaging in that same way. But um, I have a question for you about the this sort of like. Uh, binge versus uh, weekly rollout discussion that is I mean an ongoing theme here and will continue to be I'm sure but uh so like it's you obviously prefer it as it generates discussion and it seems like it's beneficial for shows in terms of creating these shows that are part of the culture that you can talk about with friends you know doing the kind of work that we do it's I think more interesting and easier to talk about things when they're coming out over longer periods of time, you know, because the conversation kind of builds and has time to develop uh, versus, you know, just being this weird like one to two weeks where who knows what's happening. But for you personally, when you're watching a show, do you prefer watching a show one episode at a time a week apart? Um, that's a great question. If, and if all the other things 
aren't factors, how do you prefer to watch it? I definitely think that I prefer to watch it. I think it depends on the show. Um, I had screeners for Watchmen, so I got to I could have watched the entire series ahead of time if I wanted to, but it was really dense and I really liked thinking about each episode individually. So I ended up, even though I was watching it before it aired, I would watch it just once a week um, and then write my thing and then yada, yada, yada. For a show like The Witcher, um, I was totally happy to just binge the whole thing at once because um, I don't think that it uh, lends itself to that same kind of intense reading. And a show that we're going to talk about later on this episode, the Ser- or servant, not no the, it's just servant. Uh, I think also lends itself to binging really well. I think that I think that people should. I think that these kinds of streaming services should experiment with picking and choosing which they want to release in which way. But I don't know if that yeah. would just be confusing for people. Yeah, I don't know. I I ask because I mean this is the big question for me because like I get you know sort of the argument you lay out uh, and I agree with all those points um, and see the validity there. But it's like ultimately most of the time for most things I do prefer watching it. Not like you know the whole show in a weekend kind of binge, but like where I can watch an episode a night uh, or like three or four episodes a week, you know, and kind of like watch it a season over the course of a few weeks, uh, you know, feels like the optimal pace to kind of like watch a show a lot of times. And so I, I don't know, you know, but like I don't think releasing things at that schedule would fix the problem either. So it's it's a it's a tough call. But then, you know, there are those when there is a show where it's almost this catch 22 where it's like I enjoy it in the case where you in the case of something like Game of Thrones, where you have all this discussion and anticipation. Sure. You know, that adds that like adds to, you know, the weekly release. But with something like Servant, which I've caught up on now and I'm waiting for the new episodes, I have nobody to talk about it with. Nobody else is watching it. Right. Uh, so it's just kind of like now I'm just waiting, you know, another week for that another. almost sounds like you've kind of almost like you've you're just assuming that nobody will be there to talk about it. Um, right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if there was someone else to talk about it with like me, for example, um, I've only seen four episodes. You've seen eight. Our conversation about the show is going to be limited by that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not for, for listeners. I think it's going to be a great conversation. You should totally stick around. But uh, <laughs> I think I think that, you know, you kind of run into these kinds of issues if you assume that nobody else is watching the show um, and it's just a show for you. Yeah. Go for it. You can just binge the whole thing and and who cares? Because you're just going to binge it and then it's going to be basically out of your life. Um, yeah. But I don't know how, you know, and, and there are some shows that are very bingeable. They're very pulpy. And um, I'm thinking of the second season of You, which is on Netflix. Pretty much everyone I know who's seen that show has knocked it out in like two sittings. Um, so it's not difficult to talk about that with other people um, right. in the same way. But yeah, I think that I think that this is something that obviously we're going to continue to talk about. And yeah, I don't really I don't really have an answer, you know. Right. Yeah. And I don't I don't think there is one. I think these services are still obviously trying to figure this out. And as more platforms come out, like, you know, we're seeing Apple and we can get into talking about this with Servant, but like we're seeing Apple experiment with both binge dropping and weekly releases. We're seeing, you know, uh, Disney Plus take the weekly approach. Hulu's been doing the three first and then weekly after that for a while. Yeah. um, HBO now. I mean, I guess they've been doing they've done this for a while, but um, The Outsider, they just they dropped two episodes up front, uh, which is not that uncommon, I I think. But uh, but yeah. um, And the, the other thing, the other interesting thing here is that like 
weekly release doesn't preclude being able to binge watch a show and i'll find myself sometimes just like depending on what the show is just waiting until the season ends um for sure and then watching it all in a clump if that's how i want to watch it um so but you but the other the reverse isn't usually true right um i think it's very difficult if you binge release a show to expect anyone to watch it uh week by week yeah exactly before we before we move on you said that there was a there was some irishman content that was or stuff that was kind of like this. oh yes so with the irishman netflix also released some sort of behind the scenes content um they have like a interview with martin scorsese um pacino pesci and de niro uh where they're all just kind of sitting and talking about the the film and they sort of released that alongside it's like 20 minutes long or something uh they also released on the platform itself an el camino like behind the scenes uh documentary that was like 10 or 15 minutes long so especially i think for their their film content we're starting to see some of this sort of like auxiliary content like you're talking about actually appearing on the platform itself um as as like additional pieces of content so that's something i hope we see more of because i love that stuff and i don't see why they wouldn't do it um i'd love to see it integrated into their uh like into, interface yeah, a little bit better where it like feels like a supplementary piece of content where i could be like oh let me see all the special features for this movie um instead of just like the irishman in conversation is its own separate piece of media uh, i think they could handle that a little bit better but they're probably just experimenting with that right and the the, the witcher map is its own website as opposed right. to uh, yeah. being something that you could you know if you're watching on your xbox or something just kind of go around with um yeah. yeah no i think that i think that but i think that it's a good first step um i guess is is kind of what we're thinking um i think we're aligned on that right yeah yeah i agree i i don't see any downside to like you know bonus content that these these people want to come out with uh you know it can be very fun the the only the only potential downside would it be if their marketing company is creating hokey stuff that like compromises a creator's vision in some way but that doesn't seem to be the case so far yeah that's never stopped them before right, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh before we get into talking about uh apple we uh you have a story here about hbo max um, and how they're changing their interface. Yes. So uh, I had speculated at some point when we talked about the HBO Max announcement that, you know, we can hope and pray that HBO Max would come with an updated user interface from the terrible HBO Go slash now interface, which, is um, t- which we agree is terrible. Yeah. Yes. Uh, universally acclaimed to be terrible. Uh, <laughs> universally <but> derided. <laughs> it, it does appear to be the case that there will be an updated uh, interface coming with HBO Max. So we don't have any information about what that's going to be. Oh, we have one fact- piece of information. We do yes. have one piece, which is that... Uh, the would CT- you like to say the word? <laughs> oh, I, I would love to. The CTO, Jeremy Leg called it, quote, swipey. Swipey. <laughs> we'll be getting a night. So now you can swipe left or right on your on your favorite shows. Yeah, I would assume and, that uh, it's going to be just like Tinder and you're just going yeah. through shows and you're like, yes, no, yes, no. 
<laughs> so uh yeah i don't know what the hell swipey means but we're gonna we're gonna find out and i think it's pretty self-explanatory i don't know what else it could mean <laughs> Almost i think there's anything. gonna be swiping involved and uh yeah as opposed to scrolling you know those are yeah. the yeah. <laughs> those are the two those are modes. the two options well somebody somebody's gonna you know maybe with peacock we'll get a tappy interface Ooh, a tappy interface uh, yeah i like that um but maybe, uh, maybe a Rolodex. Yeah. Oh, take it back to the days when we had, uh, I forget what you call it, but telephone iPhone <laughs> interface back when the um, iPhone interfaces used to emulate like real world. Uh, the notebook actually looked like a notebook. Oh, yes. Like yes. That. We'll uh, we'll start making our, our streaming apps look like actual TV, uh, look like cable TV channel guides for nostalgia. That'd be great. Yeah. And I think that that's that's exactly what. Uh, that's exactly something that the peacock would do. Peacock? Yes. The peacock? The peacock. I'm really struggling with the with the thes today. <laughs> A peacock? So, swipey or no, I'm sure anything anything that HBO Max does is going to be better than uh, what we currently have. So I look forward to that. It'd be difficult to be worse. So let's uh, let's transition. Let's hop over to Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus divided um, additional multiplication. I just feel like Apple TV Plus is too many extra things. But it's one of those weird. It's one of those weird Apple choices where like they name it one thing and then everybody else just calls it something else. It's kind of like Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> but like I've just been seeing everybody call it Apple TV now. Um, yes. Which just, you know, doesn't it doesn't help clarify things because <laughs> Apple TV is a little box that can sit on your. And we're medias. talking about Apple TV, but the but the additional the plus part of it, the plus. Yeah. And probably we'll see like an Apple TV Pro, which will just confuse things. Oh, no. Hopefully it's not <laughs> Apple TV plus pro iMac. Yeah. I Apple I TV Apple. <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyways, they picked up the HBO, the former HBO CEO, uh, Richard Pleppers. I think that's how you say his name. It might be Pleppers, but I think it's Pleppers. <laughs> I hope Ple for his sake, Pleppers. Pleppers? <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, which was something that had been rumored for some time uh, or speculated about. or And I think the headline here is that Apple TV Plus is serious. I think when they first started and they only had four shows, they were putting money into it. But it seems like their their big thing was this will just draw more people to Apple products. But they got a little bit of sniff. They got a sniff of the awards game with Morning Show getting some some buzz at Crick's Choice and Golden Globes. And now I think they uh, I think they're hungry for more. Yeah, I think uh, I think they we're not going to see them dip in and dip out, you know, uh, whether or not it's an ultimate success. I think we'll see them definitely give it a fair go uh, over the next few years. So I'll be very interested to see what kind of what kind of content they produce, uh, especially bringing in a former HBO CEO. It's interesting to me. It seems almost like HBO is kind of expanding outward. We talked a few episodes ago about how they're kind of ramping up quantity, um, presumably to compete with Netflix a little bit more. Right. And it, it does make me wonder if we'll see someone like Apple kind of 
step in and fill this space of like, you know, a service or a studio, quote unquote, I don't know what you would call it, that produces a few shows, but focuses on trying to make those shows as best they can. I don't know if Apple's up to that task, but it seems like there might be a hole in the market for something like that if HBO continues on its trajectory towards more and more and more. Sure. Um, yeah, I think I think HBO is going to uh, they they have quite the brand recognition. So I think it's going to take a little while before they, they kind of burn through that, even if they are upping. Yes. But, and there's there's nothing to suggest that they've necessarily dropped off in quality yet. Um, you know, it's it's uh, just one of those things you worry about as pe- people ramp up the amount of production they have. I will say it was very weird to see Mr. Tim Apple at uh, the Golden Globes. <laughs> I was like, what is he do? Oh, that's right. Apple TV has a is a thing. That's a thing now. And yes. they are nominated for awards. Um, so I think that now's a good time to talk about since we're we're talking about maybe how they're interested in quality. Now could be a good time to talk about uh our content discussion of the week. Every week we pick one show on a streaming service and did I say every week? Every month. Uh every month. <laughs> we do that and we we watch it and we think about it and then we talk about it on this podcast. And this week, this month, time is a flat circle. This month, uh, we picked Servant, which is M. Night Shyamalan's show on Apple TV+. Plus. It is, uh, each episode's about half hour and it stars... Uh, Lauren Ambrose is the mother. Yep. Toby Kebbell is the father. Who you might recognize from the Black Mirror episode, The Entire History of You. We um, have Rupert Grint from... Uh, a little something the, called Harry Potter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he and and Toby Toby are doing uh, Philadelphia accents, um, or that's what they say they're doing. Um, it's <laughs> I'm not really sure what their accents are, but uh, it kind of works yeah. for the show. Um, I'll I'll turn it over to you first. What do you? What were your first impressions of the show? Uh, what kind of? Uh, what's your What's your bird's eye view takeaway? So I went into this knowing absolutely nothing about what the show is, which I, I recommend for people who want to watch it. Um, so I'll try to keep it spoiler free or we'll let you know if there will be spoilers if you want to watch this. But needless to say, I had very low expectations because the one other Apple TV plus show that I tried to watch uh, the morning show. It's not good. Uh, it's not good. And also, I'm not really that big of a fan of M. Night. You know, he's made some good stuff, but I'm just yeah, I, I'm just not a huge fan generally. Um, so, I yeah, I didn't have like super high hopes, um, but I loved the first episode of the show. Uh, it's weird. It's super weird. It's it's very weird. It maintains and it throughout the show maintains this this great vibe. And I think the the first episode in how it sort of like unfolds and sets up this this very strange mystery. I think I think it, it. I think it, I think it's necessary to give just a quick like uh, premise synopsis. Um, sure. So the show follows uh, this married couple in Philadelphia. They hire a nanny. The nanny is I mean, this is kind of a, a thrillery, horrory vibe. So she's obviously super creepy. Um, and she's. But so are the parents. Everyone's creepy. Yeah, everyone's pretty creepy, except I would say uh, Toby Kebbell. Not very that not that Toby. Creepy. Toby is the is the he's weird, but he's the least creepy. Of yeah, he's the kind bunch. of the audience avatar. You know, you're yes. you're like seeing everything through his eyes and he's kind of like you're kind of doing the like, what the fuck with him? He seems the most sane. Yeah. 
And they hire this nanny to take care of their baby. And it turns out that the baby is uh, not real. Uh, it's a doll because their real baby was uh, died early in its life. Tragically, I, I, I don't really we don't have a whole lot of details or I, not at first anyways. And yeah. the mother has kind of had a psychotic break and they have this doll to kind of coax her back into society. And they hire this nanny to take care of it to kind of keep up the charade, which is uh, about as creepy as it sounds. And uh, I don't know. Do you think I should say what happens at the end of the first episode? Um, I mean, I think that's enough. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I like the way it unfolds enough that I think if that synopsis there intrigues people, um, it's worth checking out. You can watch the first episode. It's 30 minutes. And if, if you if you don't like that episode, then you're not going to like the show. Right. Um, so, yeah. Um, but the thing I loved about it was was the way that it unfolds all of this, um, because it, it feels there's. Well, I'll let you I'll let you say what you think about it before I get into very specific. Uh, sure. Um, I was just going to say that I I've really I've seen the first four. Um, Thomas is a little ahead of me, but I really like it. Uh, it's really unnerving. Um, I find myself on my phone a lot during the show, but not because I am like bored, mainly because I just like can't look at the screen for that long uh, without kind of needing like a little escape. Um, and I think it really goes into M. Night's like wheelhouse in terms of, you know, the, there's a twist. There's always like a twist around the corner, but that really works well for a 30 minute television show. Yeah. Where it's kind of like the twist is at the end and now it's also setting up the next thing. So, you know, in some of his movies, I think the twist has felt kind of empty and these twists are always like setting up the next episode. I think that works really well. Yeah, it's it's amazingly like tight, uh, like the the episodes they in, in a weird way, they they f almost feel longer than they are, I think, because they're so tense. Yes. Um, like I wouldn't want it to be a uh, like 50 minute uh, series or like episodes. Yeah. Um, it the the runtime works so brilliantly for this, which I think you know is is an interesting. That's something we've we've been talking about a little bit recently with like the Mandalorian having these shows that aren't necessarily comedies, you know, with shorter runtimes, and this is a case where that works really really well but yeah no the the show overall like it does a great job of just like maintaining that tension without going like way too overboard or being like too twisty or like too gotcha you just kind of always have this feeling of like second guessing your assumptions about what's happening and part of that is just sort of the meta of knowing you're watching something m night is involved with uh, and knowing there will be more twists coming or that things probably aren't what they seem but just the vibe of the show and the way like in the first episode in the very first few scenes just the way they even like introduce the few the the characters this there's this one shot in particular i don't know if you remember it but they're like sitting down at the dinner table talking to this nanny for the first time and it's just two shots pretty wide but close looking directly into yep i know exactly what you're talking about face yeah and she's looking straight at the lens and then the other is the exact reverse of that looking straight into the mother's face uh the dad the husband is sort of like behind her obscured and she's sort of like moving in and out of the way and he's like trying to talk and like look around her and it's so just the the way it's shot is so unsettling and unnerving um, and makes things feel so like 
weird and tense. I, I, yeah, I just, I really loved uh, how, you know, the filmmaking and the camera work and everything there is used to just like, I don't know, yeah. maintain that tension. You used the word tight earlier. And I think that that's a really good word. Um, you know, the cast, the main cast is only the four characters, the, the husband, the wife, the nanny and the, the brother basically is the entire cast. Every once in a while, there will be like someone from the outside will come in or out. But I mean, that's the whole thing. Almost the entire show takes place in their house. Um, and it does like a really good job of using a lot of those classic horror tropes, um, like the slow zoom, the slow, like steady zoom, the, you know, using the creepy old spacious house as its own character. And like you said, a lot of the camera work is really tight like that. I notice a lot when they shoot the nanny, she's like slightly off screen or, uh, you know, the frame kind of slices off part of her face. And it's yeah. just like you never feel like you're getting like a clean look at her um, unless it's like head on. She's staring right at you. And it's really unsettling that that's the only real look you get at her. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and some of the other characters as well. And it just it, you said tight. You said unnerving, uh, unsettling. I think all of those are really great words. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a really good horror show. I, I don't know if they would call it a horror show, but I I would. It's it, it feels that way. It's weird because at least so far, it's like you don't really see any thing that horrifying like there's not you know like it, it does so much with just the tension and the vibe that there's really not it's very restrained in terms of what it actually reveals uh and there's 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 an episode later i won't spoil anything but it just like it's so tense it's one of the most tense like 30 minute things i've watched in a while but it's just like the restraint in in what they actually give you or show you is like just yeah it's really well done um and so I love that. I love things that that are smaller scale and really effective uh, at the same time, uh, you know, that work as like the antithesis to kind of the desire to make really big stories, uh, you know, that I think is exist right now. Um, yeah, it's very introspective. And there's just like everything about the setting is interesting. Like uh, Sean, the, the husband is this uh, he like is a chef type he makes recipes. He's like a chef type person i'm not exactly sure what he does other than just be good at cooking <laughs> he like yeah he like writes and invents recipes and caters and stuff but he works from home and he's always making these weird food concoctions which is which are really interesting and so but it's also just, a little unnerving as well yeah yeah it's it's just great stuff like that to like you know, make what could be just this sort of like he's sort of the straight man. But even there, he's very interesting uh, because, yeah, he's just got this weird stuff going on. Um, I don't know. There's, yeah, I like it. I like the show. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, the third episode is called uh, Eel and he is making like this eel dish. And it's like very it's like very weird and unnerving. And he makes like lobster ice cream. It's uh, which I would not try. But, um, you know, that's just me. But uh, yeah, no, you should definitely check it out if you're interested in in Apple TV Plus. It's definitely not the most it's definitely not like the headline show that they've been putting out. I think that it's definitely less famous than or less well-known than the morning show or even the Jason Momoa, like seeing, not seeing show or, uh, yeah. uh, Riverdale, Emily Dickinson. Um, but I think that it's definitely the best one that I've seen. 
I could see this one really picking up a lot of steam for its second season uh, if it keeps up sort of the quality it's at. Which it has been renewed for. Yeah. So this this is one I could definitely see like having its kind of little following this season, but really sort of making more of a splash next next season. And and it's being released a week at a time. So it has the potential to sort of like generate some of that buzz and discussion and stuff like that if, if it starts to, to catch on. Um, it only has the one think, episode left, though, I think, right? For uh, this season? There are two left, I believe. Two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's nine out and 10 and 11 are coming. So, or maybe right. it's just 10. I don't know. It said 11 on IMDb. Uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think the main thing right now is just, there's not that many people are watching Apple TV. Yes. And as they start to, you know, maybe they never will, but if they start to <laughs> grow in viewers, uh, we'll probably hear more people talking about this. It goes down. It's a real bingeable show uh, because it's so short. Like you could watch this whole season once it's out in like two days if you wanted to. Oh, I'm seeing this uh, right now. M. Knight has stated that he envisions the series to stretch for 60 half hour episodes or six seasons. Okay, interesting. That's uh, well, I'll be very shot, curious. man. <laughs> I'll be very curious to see what he does with it. Obviously, like with almost every TV show, like how great it is ultimately or like how effective it is will kind of come down to like, can he pull off where the story is going? I don't know. Right. But I'm enjoying the ride in the meantime. Yeah. And, and that's definitely a thing that's much more a TV product than uh, works better in TV than in film. You know, yeah. film is always is always a bit about the destination and TV's been trending that way for a couple of years, but it's still so much about those like, y you know, the ride on the way there. Right. Yeah. The ride to me, like I, I, you might disagree, but like in a lot of ways to me, I think the ride is like what makes or breaks like good and bad TV. But then like good and great TV is often decided by the destination for me I think, anyway. It's I think like, that that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, it's a good show. We'll see if it ends up being a great one. I guess 60 episodes from now. <laughs> Um, is this the we did we did uh, Mindhunter our first our first episode, but is this our favorite one that we've uh, done the content conversation for? Uh, what have we talked about? Uh, we did Mandalorian, Mandalorian, Marriage Story, and this. I think I enjoyed this the most out of all of those. All I of think those that things. I've been enjoying this more than I enjoyed. Yeah, even Marriage Story, which um, I thought was very good. But Mindhunter, Mindhunter, I might have. I, I put a, I probably would have put like Mindhunter season one over this. Um, I liked season one a little bit more, but uh, but th I don't know. This is just so like well crafted and eerie and weird that uh, yeah, yeah. So. When season three of Mindhunter comes out in three years, we can uh, maybe we can revisit season two and see if you've <laughs> changed we'll, your mind we'll, at all. <laughs> we'll compare we'll compare season three of Mindhunter against season three of Servant when it comes out at the same time. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so you want to jump to our recommendations, our, our sure. one recommendation of the month? Yes. Uh, one show that every month we've also been doing. We should, we should like name these, these segments. Uh, this segment? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not going name with little punny names off the top of my head, but we'll We will we'll name these, it. and they'll be fire. I don't know. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you have a good name idea, you can tweet it at us. Right now we'll in our, it. yeah, right now in our, our outline, it's broken up by news content and recommendations so i think we can do better uh we will get there sooner or yep. later uh you went first last time so i guess i'll go first this time 
Okay. Um, I just finished the... I actually finished watching it for the second time last week, uh, but the fourth season of Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot is a show that was on USA, uh, started in 2015. A lot of people watched the first season, and the first couple episodes of the second season were admittedly pretty wonky. Um, but since then, I think the show, a lot of people signed off, but the show got really, really interesting and good. And the fourth season is just as good as any other season of television I saw last year. I put it right up there with Fleabag and, and Succession Season 2 and you know, Watchmen, if you're into Watchmen, which I understand was a little more divisive. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the entire show after the first season uh, is directed by Sam Esmail. Um, he directs every single episode and it has this like very unique vision and tone. It's about a, a hacker group that is trying, they're called F Society, and they're trying to basically take down the 1% of the 1%, um, which is a message that I think is even more relevant in 2020 than it was in 2015. Uh, yeah, I think that show's great. Um, I think more people should watch it, and I think that it's uh, one of the most like defining shows of the, the decade, honestly. This is one uh, I loved. I was like a huge fan of this show um, as the first couple seasons were coming out, and not that I'm not a fan of it now, but somehow... Somewhere along the line, I fell off of the bandwagon. So I'm really looking forward to picking this back up and actually finishing it. Um, it has two of the yeah. best episodes of the year in this season. Um, one, one made my, I, I make a, a thing at the end of each year, which is like my favorite episodes of the year, like single episodes. And the one that made it this year for Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot won the last two years for its season two and season three episodes. And uh, this one is this entire, it's basically like a heist episode. Um, and there are only two lines of dialogue in the entire episode. The first one being at the very beginning of the episode where someone basically just says, it's cool, we don't need to talk. And the last line being at the very end of the episode where they're like, I think we should talk. <laughs> and the rest is just like the heist. And it is awesome. super thrilling. I think that if you like the first season and it's like very, it's like very unique visual style where he kind of like films people like off center and he has like this very like muted, but um, dark color palette. I think that he's just gotten like so much better as the, he got so much better as the seasons went on. And yeah, it, he has some like crazy camera shots in, in this season. And uh, yeah, no, he you does, should definitely check it out. He does a great job of being stylistically like almost as anarchic as the characters. In, that's a great way of putting uh, it. Yeah. In the show. That's why you're yeah. the, uh, that's why you're the film analyst. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you should definitely check cool. it out. Yeah. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to, as soon as, uh, as soon as I do. <laughs> as soon as you do. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's your, what's your, my pick this month is a show I was reminded of because of servant. Um, servant is about a fake baby doll where people treat it as a real baby and in this show there's an episode about the same thing um and the show i'm recommending is high maintenance on hbo uh, yes. um, which is a show that i don't ever hear anybody talk about that but that i deeply deeply love um and it's sort of a comedy that follows it's this like series of stories and at least for the first season or so um it's about a bunch of people and the only sort of connecting thread through all these different stories and people in the show is that they all have the same weed dealer and then in in, in some of the in the season that came out last year it develops a little bit more into like telling this 
story of the actual weed dealer. But it's a show I think probably a lot of people overlook because, you know, it's I don't know, it's a marijuana show. Uh, right. About a guy like it seems like, you know, maybe it's this like stoner comedy. I don't know. Uh, probably a lot of people write it off, but it's more especially in the first like season. It's way it's not really so much about like a weed dealer and weed as it is about like people in New York City. Uh, it tells all these diverse stories in a very sympathetic way and looks at all these different characters and interesting situations. And it's really beautiful and amazing. And I think more people should should check it out. So season three came out last year and season four is slated to come out this year. Uh, it's a great quirky little show that I love. So, yeah, I've actually never seen it. Um, but yeah, I've been aware of it. And I actually listened to a really, really interesting art, uh, interview with the two creators. And they basically described it as just people watching, um, like sitting on the subway uh, in New York and just like people watching and imagining what that would be like if you went and like delivered weed to that person, what their yeah. life is behind the uh, behind the curtain kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's 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 one of those shows where it, it's really strange at first. You're watching it. You're like, what is like, what am I watching? What is this? But then like as it goes on, it really grows on you and you start to start to uh, kind of see what they're doing you know, as the season progresses. Uh, and I don't know, it's it's one of the more unique shows where like that gets very little recognition, I think, out there right now. So, yeah, it's also super interesting for us to talk about on on this podcast, because the first 19 episodes of the series uh, were on Vimeo. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So it was a web series and then it ended up getting picked up by HBO. And now there have been more episodes on HBO than there were on Vimeo. But yeah, just I mean, that Vimeo, the first uh, streaming service, I guess. <laughs> wow. Are the are the Vimeo episodes different than the first 18 uh, episodes on HBO? We have reached the extent of my knowledge. Uh, OK, <laughs> I'll have to look into that, because if there's episodes of the show that I haven't seen, I want to see them stat. So, yeah, no, uh, haven't you seen them. Just made my might have just made my day. Yeah. Awesome. It, cool. It looks like they might be. Wow. That's uh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely all the same. Still, still all the same people. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the same two creators and the same guy. Ben Sinclair is his name. If if you need a further hick, hick, if you need a further hook for the show, <laughs> um, this is a show that it, the credit sequence at the end of every show is just Ben Sinclair, Sinclair who's the main character, the, the titular. Well, I guess not titular because it's not named after him. He's the weed <laughs> His dealer. name is High Maintenance. He's the, yeah. He, <laughs> Mr. Maintenance. <laughs> He's the weed dealer. Uh, but every episode just ends with him dancing in slow motion in a different place in New York. Uh, oh, wow. No, now I'm, now I'm in. Yeah. I was, I yeah. was like, oh, yeah. Because I've definitely been uh, suggested this show before by, my, by some of my friends. But um, I've always been like, yeah, I'll check it out when I, when I check it out. But yeah. now that I know he dances in every episode, um, that sounds more, that's like a more concrete example of the vibe. that. Yeah, yeah. I, it's one of those shows where like, unlike Servant, where I think you could watch the first episode and like know oh i'm in or i'm out um this is one i think you like people if they want to try it should give like three or four 
episodes um a chance before before they sort of write it off so awesome um cool cool. so anything you want to plug before we sign off for today uh check out my youtube channel thomas flight i'm at thomas flight on twitter uh i put out a video recently about the lighthouse uh which got snubbed at the oscars uh terribly do you think that it should have been nominated for something um, yeah, well, it got nominated for cinematography, which I, uh, very much appreciate because it's a beautiful, uh, stunning looking movie. Um, but at the very least, Willem Dafoe should have had a nomination as a supporting actor because he kills it in this movie. Um, I will be honest, but- I have not seen the movie, but I have watched Willem Dafoe's, uh, like famous monologue scene on YouTube a couple of times and it is I don't know what he's saying, but it is gripping. It's cinema. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I like, I pulled it up and he, he like starts by just like being possessed by the sea, I guess. I'm not really sure what happens in that, uh, in that scene. Yeah. And I've had like the transcript up side by side and been like, what is he talking about? I have no idea, but I'm so gripped the entire time. It's, it's just this like epic curse. And I don't know in the clip if the context of this curse was included in the clip you saw, but the reason he's cursing the uh, Winslow, the other guy in the lighthouse is because Winslow said he doesn't like his cooking. That was included Um, and is the best reason to curse somebody. Yeah. So (laughs) that, uh, yeah, the lighthouse is definitely, um, talk about, talk about another thing that just has, is incredibly tight and has an amazing vibe. That's just incredibly unsettling. Um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty great piece of work. Before we, before we go, uh, do you have, what is, what is the one thing that you're upset most, you're most upset about with the Oscar snubs? Um, I would say, or, or something that was nominated that did not deserve it. The, the thing, well, I'll say two, cause I'll say the one that I, 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 all the, all the Joker, the amount of Joker noms is the, is something I'm a little bit upset about, but that I don't want to talk about cause I don't want all the Joker fans, uh, <laughs> running, punching me in the throat or whatever. But, uh, I think, uh, I think the they thing, just shoot you. Yeah, the thing the thing I'm really upset about is that Uncut Gems got nary a mention, um, and didn't get any nominations at all. I don't think none at all. A A24 stuff this year got um, snubbed pretty largely overall. Um, But yeah, Uncut Gems not having anything is really a shame uh, because that was one of my favorite movies from the year um, and was really something special. But uh, nothing. Also, also. Greta Gerwig not getting best director, uh, a best director nom while Todd Phillips did for the Joker is just that's all the throat punch I need. So don't if you can't, if if you uh, if you think the Joker deserved that, don't don't add me. Sometimes I wish they would change the because like they're not sometimes they're not like the best director or the best actor. It's like the most actor yes the most director yeah and i wish that would uh that'd be you know acknowledged sometimes yeah yeah it's uh it's well there's a lot of directing in in the joker i'll give it that there's oh, a and, lot of acting there's a, oh, lot, of jo- there's a, there's lot, a lot of joking there's well I there wasn't much joking <laughs> it was you know i went into that movie expecting to laugh and i did not so i thought there were gonna be I'll jokes re- 
Uh, yeah. I felt very misled by the title. Uh, <laughs> and that's all I will say about the Joker. <laughs> I, 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 I'll say again, it's, I liked it. I went to the theater and I enjoyed the two hours that I was in the theater while the Joker was playing on the screen. But it's just like, I feel like I almost have to criticize it because of the amount of praise that it's getting that feels disproportionate to what it is. It's just like, it's fine. It's fine. It's just not. Oh my God. Not I just that realized good. that the Joker to Joker to you is Mandalorian to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right. Um, you can uh, check out my YouTube channel, uh, Skip Intro. I just put out a video about why you should watch Watchmen, which is spoiler free and talks about uh, the idea of remixing uh, as kind of an adaptation as opposed to just like a strict color by numbers kind of thing. And I guess we will talk to you next month after Joker has won 11 Academy Awards and uh, the universe has ended. Yeah, I'll either I'll either be back here very sad because the Joker <laughs> won everything or potentially uh, happily very surprised that Parasite uh, won Best Picture. That Go Parasite! Scenario. Yes, I, re I really like Parasite. This is the year where we're rooting for foreign film to, to win Best Picture. So, yes. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, see you next month. Yeah. See you next month. <laughs>